this is important to me. This is important to Vermont. It's important to my family, and and it affects me. You know, in, in the past, I've represented brands that have left Vermont, and it sucked. Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. And go. Wintry Mix, episode 33. I'm your guy, Alex Kaufman. This will kick us off for season three, which will have episodes rolling through the spring. The 2016 election season, which I think we can all agree is about 15 months too long, is nearly behind us. When it comes to winter sports, there's a handful of issues that the snow industry tends to key in on. None of which seem to crack the national discourse all that often, but can move votes at the state level. Political activism is a bit new to the ski and recreation industry at large, but the obvious threats of climate change and the economic impact of tourism and attracting outdoor gear manufacturers are ever-present. And, in recent years, areas where this industry and associated nonprofits like Protect Our Winters and the Outdoor Industry Association have taken a more proactive role. A recent Burlington campaign event for Vermont gubernatorial candidate Sue Minter brought together some outdoor activist types to hear her recreation message, lengthy history of outdoor pursuit, and, if they so chose, to get involved in her campaign. I was allowed to mingle through this otherwise private event in order to bring you a behind-the-scenes look at one side of the recently activated politics of outdoors. That's what's coming up right after the Season 3 Shouts. Stay with us. When he's elected president and Kid Rock becomes Secretary of State, are you going to move to Canada or one of the Arctics? Season three of Wintry Mix is supported by... World Cup Supply has served the ski resort, race, and event industry since 1991. Visit worldcupsupply.com to see the complete selection of race gates, safety, and crowd control fencing, on-hill tools, poles, nets, you name it. If you are running a ski resort, an event, or an event at a ski resort, then trust World Cup Supply for the gear that ensures safety and success. All right, get on a plane, fly to Salt Lake City, and devour the powder at Snowbird in Little Cottonwood Canyon. With 500 inches average annual snowfall, seven minute tram rides to the summit, and over 3,000 vertical feet, this will make your season. Check out fourth night free slope side lodging options or visit with your mountain collective pass. Snowbird.com is step one, Step two is follow Snowbird on social to stay stoked until you arrive. Over 250 ski areas use Liftopia to reach millions of skiers and riders planning their trips. But what you might not know is that Liftopia's cloud store is also the most widely used e-commerce ticketing platform for ski areas' own websites, with over 100 North American ski areas using the platform. Your team, your strategy, your customers partnered with the best e-commerce team and technology in the industry. Visit Liftopia.com and click platform to learn more or email partners at Liftopia.com to schedule a call today. I'd love to meet the person who makes your pantsuits. Oh, really? Yeah, because for Halloween, I wanted to go as a librarian from outer space. And some quick disclosure before we go behind the curtain. I reached out to both the Republican and Democratic candidates for governor in Vermont with the goal of interviewing both this fall. 
Once getting two sit-downs appeared unlikely, I changed course to do a single look at the politics of outdoors from a Sue Minter event on that topic. Don't worry, all of the selection stuff will be behind us soon enough. A few of the attendees will get us underway. This is RJ Thompson with the Vermont Huts Association. And we're here for an event um, to hear Sue Minter speak um, and potentially some announcements in regards to the outdoor industry here in Vermont. Um, any history in, you know, whether it's whether you want to call it lobbying or public policy or things like that? Uh, I'd say that's no history for either of us. We've really, this is a new ball game for us. We're both really excited to kind of get involved though because we understand that it can have an influential difference in how we recreate in the state of Vermont. What got you started on this? What, what, what planted the seed? <laughs> uh, well, the conversation, uh, you could ask any number of individuals here tonight, I'm sure. Uh, huts in Vermont is not really a new concept. It's just uh, kind of time to uh, implement the plans that have been in a lot of other people's minds. And it kind of came full steam over the summer with different conversations with the Catamount Trail, Backcountry Alliance, Green Mountain Club. Uh, and VIMBA, uh, Vermont Mountain Bike Association, and, and everyone kind of realizes that it's something that Vermont uh, is, is lacking at the moment. The, the trail infrastructure is, is pretty much there already in terms of backcountry skiing for sure. It's getting very close to being there with mountain biking, and so uh, as Devin had said earlier, we want to connect what's already there with these huts. So we're kind of um, at, at the point where it just has to happen. Someone has to take the bull by the horns, and, and here we are right now. <laughs> Uh, Mike Donahue from the Outdoor Gear Exchange. Do you have much of a history in political activism or involvement? I like to be fairly knowledgeable and involved politically. I vote every election, um, but I wouldn't say I've been super involved. I've never volunteered for a campaign or went door to door. In regards to outdoor topics, whether that be climate, land access, what are the things that, that interest you the most? Uh, pretty much all of them, and actually that's, that's a good point. Sue uh, is aware of global warming, which is great to see from a politician and has ideas on how to combat it. That's, uh, that's super important, both adapting to it because it's coming no matter whether we like it or not, also trying to make things better. Uh, so that's, that's a key piece too, as well as outdoor recreation and uh, use of, of our natural resources. My name is Louise Linelac and I am here mainly representing myself, but also the Linelac Foundation. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what she plans for Vermont in the future with regards to um, some new players on, uh, on the scene like backcountry skiing and mountain biking because I think that those are a couple of sports that um, can really develop how we think about land management in this state and I think it's important to consider them as really viable economic options in the future. And how politically active would you put yourself on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I would say probably about an eight. I'm not going to become a politician myself, but I definitely participate heavily as a concerned citizen. You didn't come here to talk to me or to hear me. Uh, you came here to hear Sue, and um, before she speaks, I'm going to introduce someone you all know through his guidebooks and who probably knows Sue better than anyone. Um, so David Goodman, if you could come up and uh, say a few words to introduce your wife. Actually, I just wanted to know, do you have this in a size medium? <laughs> so I'll let you in on a little secret, and it's only at, at this event that I get to do this. But uh, 
Our path to Vermont actually came on backcountry ski trails. And um, part of it was in my first, uh, I wrote the first backcountry skiing guidebook to New England in the late 80s. And I um, thought, of course, who better to put on the cover than my new girlfriend. Um, so there she is in what we would now call period costume. <laughs> what we thought was really groovy at the time, which were bright yellow North Face pants, which of course were all for men. There were no women's outdoor clothes at that time. It was just over undersized men's stuff. And a colorful Peruvian sweaters and also period technique with hands over the head. Um, the backs, what's that? That was taken on the side of Bootspur uh, on Mount Washington. When Sue decided to run a year ago, um, these are some of the unique conversations that only we would have. One of the downsides was her telling me at the beginning of the winter, all right, so the rule is I do not want to hear about all the great powder days I'm missing because I'm running for governor. Well, who knew, but actually there weren't any. Um, so her wish came through, but you should know that in a Minter administration, I think there's a policy plank in there uh, that every day will be a powder day. Maybe that's just my fantasy. But um, on that note, I do want to introduce the um, next governor of Vermont, who I still can't keep up with, but is my inspiration on skis and other places, Sue Minter. I am going to just tell you a little bit about me and why I'm running, but why I think the world that you love and I love is actually a great part of what only, not only makes Vermont great, but our future and how we're going to keep it great. Running actually the second largest agency of our state, managing a workforce of 1,300 people, balancing a $600 million budget, um, and making sure the roads got plowed so we could get to the powder roads. <laughs> and then I was actually uh, appointed to be the Irene Recovery Officer. And my job moved from roads and bridges to people, to the 3,500 homeowners uh, that were displaced by damage. The businesses, the communities, our own community of Waterbury had turned into a virtual ghost town. Businesses shuttered, two-thirds of the village homes damaged. I got to work side by side with Vermonters around this state and to see what is possible when Vermonters come together around a united mission. I also served after Irene on President Obama's Task Force on Climate Preparedness and Resilience. So I worked with leaders across this country dealing with the impact of climate and extreme weather. And I'm going to be focusing on three key things as your governor. First, growing jobs and economic opportunity for the future. Second, actually supporting working families. And third, protecting our environment. So how are we going to grow economic opportunity? Well, it's really about stores like this and communities like Church Street. It's about investing in great communities. Most rural states in our country are in very significant population and economic decline. We're not in decline in Vermont. We are in a period of stagnation, however, and we need to climb out of it. 
And that's where you all come in. And yes, there's been a guy hammering tortilla chips right near the microphone. Sorry about that. Okay, back to Sue. And we need to push forward on a renewable energy future, clean, green, renewable energy. It's not just a moral imperative, it's an economic opportunity. And speaking of economic opportunities, that's what I see about my VT Outdoors plan. Look, we've got a great secret here, but we can't keep it a secret. We have, I think, some of the best mountain biking in the country. We can compete with Moab. Am I right? Listen, how much differential terrain can you do in Moab in a week? When in a week in Vermont, you can be around this state. And what if we had a trail that connected Please. all of our mountain biking? Please. And you know what? It's going to bring great people here, people who want to shop right here, people who want to build more businesses right here in Vermont, people who understand what it is we have. I want to get better than Maine Hudson trails. I've been skiing in some beautiful, I mean, to be honest, the huts are beautiful, the trails are really nice, but the scenery doesn't hold a candle to Vermont. I want to move us forward. I want to bring us together. I have a great vision for our future. I'm very optimistic, but we got a lot of work to do. I'm going to just end by saying I'm here for one more reason. Because in 225 years of Vermont history, we have only ever elected one woman governor. I'm ready to be the second, and I hope you're ready for me. This is awesome. Thank you, Sue. I just realized I'm following the next governor from Vermont, so it's kind of a stressful situation. <laughs> This is Drew Simmons of Vermont Outdoor PR firm Pale Morning Media and co-organizer of the event. ...and the temperament and the terrain to be a leader in the outdoor industry. Everybody I know here, we know it. We talk it all the time. We talk it at the national shows. We talk it to our friends. But let me give you a quick picture of what's going on outside of Vermont and how we are being perceived. Last week in Denver, Colorado, I was at the Outdoor Industry Association Rendezvous, which is an annual event, and the hottest topic is regional outdoor coalitions and how they're activating their state governments. There was a panel discussion that included people from Oregon, Alaska, Colorado, and Vermont because of Sue's commitments to the outdoors. Next week in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, there's a thing called the Shift Conference. Some of you may know about it. Their hottest topic, regional outdoor growth and how you activate the state government. Colorado, Washington, Montana, and Vermont because of Sue's commitments to the outdoors. <clears throat> Tomorrow, the Outdoor Industry Association will be endorsing Sue for governor. It's, it's, it's better than you think. This is the first time OIA has ever endorsed gubernatorial candidates. And it's because of regional outdoor coalitions that are activating at the state level and because of Sue's awareness, experience, and commitments to the outdoors. The second biggest topic out there 
is the American Legislative Council, which is supporting the transfer of public lands movement, which is a movement to take back federal lands, put them under state control, and drill the shit out of them. It's not a secret. That's what they're doing. If you're not aware of the American Legislative Council, it is funded by the Koch brothers. Some of you may know them. I don't get a Christmas card from them. You guys probably don't either. The Koch brothers have also written $1.2 million of checks to defeat Sue Minter in Vermont. Out west, it's the transfer movement. Out east, it's defeating Democratic gubernatorial candidates. This is a great outdoor vision. It's an awesome idea to have all this go down and have Sue do all this stuff. But if she's not elected, you know, we're back to ground zero. You know, this right now, Vermont is very much in the national conversation. We are half day's drive from 25 million people. We have the opportunity to be a recreational playground that's three times the size of Yellowstone National Park with a population the size of Denver. It's like one big small town. And we have extraordinary access to our elected officials. Everybody in this room, we can go say hi to Sue right now. We can contribute to her campaign. And I hope you do. Drink some of my beer. I don't want to carry those coolers back to my car. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Mark. We really appreciate it. And I caught up with Drew afterwards for more, but no more Chip Guy. Uh, Drew Simmons. I'm here with Pale Morning Media, Public Relations in Waitsfield, Vermont. And scale of 1 to 10, your political activism in the last 5 to 10 years has been kind of what? You know, four and a half three and a half. I mean, I, uh, my in-laws are very active in the political government. Um, but the reality is, you know, I, I, I vote here, I vote there, I support candidates where I can. This is really the first time that I've done anything of this level ever, anywhere. And your top two or three issues in the outdoor realm, are you more of a climate guy? Are you more of a public lands guy? Are you more of a bringing outdoor businesses here guy? But the reality is, is it's really just an ecosystem. You have you got to get people using the outdoors, you have to have a culture of access, and you have to have the land that they can access. So really, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big picture guy. When you look at the outdoor industry where it's succeeding, they have that ecosystem. Here in Vermont, we have it. It's just that I think those individual pieces aren't aware of how connected that they are. When you look at kind of what's happened maybe in a, call it Ogden, for example, yeah. um, what do you see as similarities there that maybe we could replicate here? Well, it's, great. it's a great question. I think Ogden has that same ecosystem. They have the land that people want to use. They're bringing bodies in. And what Ogden, the epiphany of Ogden has been, if we bring the outdoor brands in there, yes, it drives the, uh, the tax base, but those brands also serve as ambassadors to their local community. I mean, when you have, for instance, how many people want to come to Vermont and snowboard there because Burton is there, or fish in Vermont because, because Orvis is there? Ogden's doing the same thing. They've got Solomon and Arcteryx and all these cool brands in that, in that portfolio. It gives some legitimacy to Ogden for people who don't work in the outdoor industry and who don't feel that connected to outdoor recreation. But when they see that, they say, hey, actually, that might be a place I want to live. So I haven't been to a, a political fundraiser probably ever or, or not very often. Um, is this the first one you've been involved with in the campaign or you've been doing this for a while? Um, well, I've attended other fundraisers. I think you, you get to be a certain age and you get, in, you know, you don't get invited to weddings anymore. You get invited to political fundraisers. Uh, Alex Showerman. 
and I am with the Minter campaign. However, uh, I also am speaking as somebody who worked previously for Protect Our Winters and is a freelance writer in the outdoor sports industry, and this is my career passion. <laughs> so campaigner and outdoor guy. Yes. <laughs> Alex, um, for a lot of people in the room that I spoke to, this was kind of their first foray into political activism. Um, they're lifelong outdoor sports folks um, and deciding to get involved now. I mean, is that a trend that, that, that you see? Yes, definitely. Uh, something that's really fascinating about the outdoor sports industry is uh, several years ago, they started to realize, hey, we need to talk about this climate change thing, particularly with snow sports. You know, if, if there isn't snow, we, we won't have an industry. And, and then it kind of grew into a, well, climate change is bigger than just that. If, if climate change happens, it has drastic impacts on our world. Uh, it started a really helpful dialogue, but they quickly started to realize if we're not engaged politically, then, then how are we going to create change? And I think what we're seeing in this first, uh, th this election in 2016 is really the first election across the country where the outdoor industry is getting politically engaged. You see this with Patagonia, who's spending a million dollars to register voters in states with which they operate. You're seeing that dot connect. Hey, we need to elect leaders that are in line with our values in the outdoor sports industry. And what do you think the outdoor sports industry stands to gain or lose um, from government? Yeah, totally. So I think there's three main aspects. Uh, first off is uh, a, a big one, kind of a, a meta one, is climate change, uh, you know, particularly with snow sports. Um, you know, we saw last year just what a, what a dire impact that a bad winter can have on our economy. Um, we saw businesses close. We saw, you know, ski areas go in the red. Um, we need winter <laughs> and strong winters to, to thrive as a, uh, a snow sports driven state. Uh, the other two are, you know, land access and, uh, and, and, and recruiting businesses. Um, when you have a government that, that takes the needs of the outdoor sports industry seriously, then, then those are taken care of. You're, you're proactive in growing outdoor sports industry jobs. You're proactive in creating new trails. You're proactive in, in laying the groundwork that those businesses need to thrive and survive. And, and you've seen this model be successful in states like Colorado and Utah, where they have an outdoor recreation director that's proactively recruiting businesses to come to their states and grow there. Um, and, and that's what the outdoor sports industry has to gain, is if they are active in electing leaders that are supportive of what they need, then they see more businesses growing, they see more trails, and they see a leader who's gonna fight uh, against climate change and, and fight for renewable energy and fight to do what we need to do to, to solve that problem. How old were you when you first got politically active? Uh, so I would say the first time I actually started paying attention was uh, in 2000 during the, the civil unions fight uh, here in Vermont um, when Howard Dean fought for that. And I remember just what a, what a big fight that was. And, and I just remember thinking, well, man, this seems kind of inherently right. And that just piqued my interest. I studied it in college uh, and, and was involved in registering voters in college and, and then went on my first campaign in 2010. Uh, worked on campaigns for a while and then transitioned to the outdoor sports industry in 2013. You guys are probably pretty busy. Oh, my goodness. It's like herding cats trying to figure out how much stuff we can put on, on Sue's schedule for sure. Hours in the day. Yep, exactly.
Thanks, Alex. Yeah, totally. Our theme music is by Adam Levy, and you can hear more of his music at wintrymixcast.com, along with every other episode to date. Subscribe on iTunes if you have yet to, and leave a rating or review if you're the helpful type. Follow the show on Instagram, Bookface, or Twitter at wintrymixcast to get show updates or tell me what I'm doing wrong. Ooh, what is that, Kaylin? Carrot. All right, Kaylin has a carrot. Bye. My name's Louise Linnelak. Actually, you know what? Can we start over and move a little bit away from the loudness? Thanks. A little bit of natural sound is good, but too much is too much. All right, one more time.